Klausi-Eisen, And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Star Sport Podcast. I'm Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. On today's show we'll be joined by Munster and Ireland fullback Enya Breen to chat about her remarkable season in which she made her full Ireland debut. We'll also chat to Southern Star editor Con Downing, who was at the RDS on Saturday to watch Munster lose yet another semi-final to Leinster. With plenty of changes expected at the province over the coming weeks, we'll ask Con where Munster go from here. But first, Bandon's Conor Howrahan has played a vital role in guiding his Aston Villa side to the playoff final against... Remind me who they're playing, Kieran. Derby County. Against Derby County. Next Monday, uh, is it Monday or Sunday? Next Monday at Wembley. Next Monday at Wembley. Apologies for that Freudian slip. And Kieran, you caught up with Connor earlier in the week for a piece in this week's paper. First of all, how is he keeping, and how's he, how's his preparations going for the final? Yeah, Connor. Connor's in good form. Um, Connor's never made any secret about his desire and want to get to the Premier League. He's it might surprise some people. People, he's twenty-eight years old now. Kind of. There seems to be this per- perception out there that Connor's a young fella, but 28 could be a young fella still, but in football terms, he's kind of... He's I, think co- it's, I think it's young. Well, um, I'm on the other side of 30, so kind of, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to being 28 again. But <laughs> young forever. He's, he's coming, to, you could say, the kind of the peak couple of years of his career, so if he wants to get to the Premier League, it really needs to be now, you know, kind of, if he gets to the other side of 30, the odds will diminish of him getting to where he wants to be. Like I said, he's never made any secret that he wants to, to get to the get to the big show, Um Got close to Astor Villa, got to the playoff final, but they lost to Fulham and deservedly so in Wembley last year. Um, but there's something different about this Villa team this year. They've far more momentum behind them, Jack. They're, they're playing a lot better. They, they went on a superb run there um, for a couple of months. Just they did 10, 11 wins in a row. They really went well before they drew at Leeds in that kind of controversial game that we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago. Con- Connor's impact in the playoff semi-final over the two legs mm. can't be understated as well. He scored... A cracker of a goal in the first leg and then scored one of the all-important penalties in the shootout in the second leg. He was, yeah, like you said, he got, he got in the first leg um, in the first leg when Villa were 1-0 down. Um, Connor got the goal and made it one all. Then Villa went on to win um, that leg 2-1. Then, he, like you said, in the penalty shootout, he scored as well. But Connor, Connor's a, he, he's, a, he's obviously a top-class player. Like He's an Irish international and he was man in a match there against Gibraltar in the recent um, Euro qualifiers. And he's, he got the winning goal then against Georgia. But he's, um, not, he's not doing it enough for one of Ireland's top pundits, Kieran, and you're not happy about it. No, no, uh, John Giles was on off the ball there recently, and I'll just quote what John Giles said. Um, he's neat and tidy. I would expect more of him on the ball as a midfield player. He gets it from A to B, but there's nothing really creative about him. I'd really like to ask John Giles, has he actually seen Connor play over the last couple of years? Because Connor's stats in the championship are up there with the very, very best. Like If you look at this year with Villa, he's got... 11 assists, that's the most Phil have got. That's not bad for a player who's not creative, I suppose. He's got eight goals, not bad for a fella in, in centre midfield. And in the last couple of years, Connor's always got double figures, so he's and, actually uh, down this year. On his eight goals, I would say 70% of them are probably crackers. 
Oh, yeah. he, he likes to score a belter of a goal. He's a super left foot and a sweet left foot. Um, he's played, um, I think, 45 games for Villa this season. And that's not bad again for a fella who was, who was kind of... He had a frustrating time before Christmas when, when Dean Smith came in as, as Villa manager after Steve Bruce was sacked. Um, it took Connor a little bit of time to find his feet, but, but he has since. So for John Charles to say he doesn't really creative about him, that's not really true. Maybe Giles is kind of judging him off his Ireland performances over the last couple of years. And to be fair to Connor again, um, under the previous management, um, uh, Connor never got a goal. He was used as a bit part player here and there in these meaning, meaningless friendlies. But Mick McCarthy gave him the chance, like I said, in those two Euro qualifiers. You got a match winning goal, a cracking free kick, and you got a, a man of the match performance. So um, I don't really see what John Giles is on about. He's, a, he's quite a good midfield player, kind of. I don't know what he's expecting off him. Like Connor moves the ball well, you know. He's he's um he's a box to box player, but he just keeps he keeps he keeps the play ticking over. Like he's not one of those fellas who he's a probably seven out of ten player in every game, you know, kind of he's not a Jack Grealish. Like Jack Grealish is like the star of that team, like and he's he's a bit of Vava Voom and a bit of magic about him. But Connor's a very, very important player in the team. Um because you can see by his stats, like his stats are up there with the very best, and they've been like that. True with Barnsley, Plymouth, he's, like I said, double goals every season. He, he's more he's more assist than anyone, I think, since, since he came into the... Since he joined Villa, he's a sister up there with the very, very best. So, again, not bad for a player who's not really creative, according to John Giles. So. Well, there you have it. Um, Johnny Giles, Kieran McCarthy, Star Sport editor, is calling you out. He's calling your knowledge of Aston Villa and Conor Howard into question. John Giles, of course, the ultimate football man. Kieran, are you challenging his status as Ireland's number one football man? Well, I'm not at his level yet, just yet, you know, kind of just, just give me a while. But no, it's just when I heard that about Connor, about what he was saying about Connor, I just couldn't agree with it because the stats don't back it up. And, and if you watch Villa, Connor, Connor is a, he's a decent player, he's a good player, he has to be. Like, it's a, it's a good Villa team, and they're, they're probably favourites to go up to, to the Premier League, you know. And then Connor Horan, this disbanded man, could be a Premier League footballer, you know, kind of. And he's, like I said, he's deserved it. He's worked really, really hard, you know, kind of. When he went over to England first to Sunderland, it didn't work out there. When the Ipswich didn't work out there, he dropped all the way down to League Two, to Plymouth. He was made captain there when he was a young fella, 22, 23. And that says a lot about him as well. He played his way up there, won a move to Barnsley, captained him to promotion, captained him to, to glory at... At, um, in Wembley it was the EA Johnston Trophy or the, the sports trophy that Johnson Payne trophy yeah sorry yeah. then he got his move to Aston Villa how would you forget that oh yeah no, that's, that should stick in my mind yeah. <laughs> but um, he got his move then to Villa two years ago his stats there are really impressive since after to be fair probably a, a tricky enough start because he, he joined him in a January transfer window but um, again he's in form at the right time of the season he's looking forward to He's looking forward to next Monday. He feels the time is right. He thinks there's an energy about this Villa team now that probably last year's team didn't have. Um, some of those players, the likes of him, Jack Grealish and so on, have the experience of losing a playoff final at Wembley. And like that hurt and that pain. And even that experience of playing at Wembley in a playoff final should stand to them next Monday. Um, that Derby lead semi-final was, it was a cracker as well. It was a super game. But you'd, you just have to fancy Villa. I think they're, they're in form at the right time of the season, Jack. Good stuff. Well, while we let Kieran cool down just for a couple of minutes and we'll take a quick break. And coming up next, we're talking rugby with Southern Star editor Con Downing. And we have an interview with Ireland and Munster fullback Skibbereens Enya Breen. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. 
Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. I'm joined now by Star editor Con Downing, who was at the Pro 14 semi-final between Munster and Leinster at the RDS on Saturday. Con, a disappointing end to what at times looked like a promising season for Munster? It was, yeah. Um, we were hoping, we probably travelled there more in hope than expectation. And, uh, you know, we would have been very happy if uh, Munster had done justice to themselves. But unfortunately, I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly from an attacking viewpoint, because uh, they coughed up the ball a good few times they either had it uh, ripped from them or they knocked on ball once they got inside the 22, the Leinster 22, uh, which wasn't that often. But, uh, you know, they just... Uh, I've, I saw some headlines in, in the papers there at the start of the week mm-hmm. uh, describing their uh, performance as toothless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite uh, an apt description. Now, that's not taking away from the fact that they still reached the two semi-finals, but it, it, they seem to have reached a glass ceiling that they can't get beyond that like either in the Pro 12 or in the uh, Champions Cup so it's um, difficult and now with all the changes that are happening it's not uh, boding well I mean it's very difficult you know even if a new um, attacking coach comes in Mm -hmm. like he'll only be working uh, with a certain amount of the players uh, for the first six months or so Mm -hmm. because uh, the uh, national squad players will be away in preparation for the World mm-hmm. Cup and playing at the World Cup so uh, it is it is sort of worrying um, Have um, like I suppose for, for Munster playing a Leinster team never come off the losing the Euro- European final um, Leinster probably they weren't there for the taking but it's probably it could have been a, ch- a good chance for Munster to get one over them but Munster again they, they looked a good bit off the standard of the Leinsters and those top teams they're just they're a level below them at the moment they, they just don't seem to have kicked on kind of they, d- they don't know and um, it, it's uh, mystifying really why not because like their defence is very good mm-hmm. um, but like uh, their penalty count was a bit higher right? mm-hmm. I think the last time they had 13 as opposed to only 6 or 7 from Leinster I think in the in, in the match yeah. so that that error count is, is mm-hmm. would have counted against them and months, uh, Leinster kept ticking the scoreboard over mm-hmm. every opportunity they could and there was some bad decision making as well too you know just coming up to Half time there, Munster is scrum uh, just before the clock went red, mm-hmm. and uh, the score was six all. But they insisted on keeping playing the ball instead of booting it out into the stand, and they ended up going in nine six down at yeah. half time. You know, and um, it, it just you'd have to query some of the decision making mm-hmm. out in the field, and you know that's not really down to the, the you can't blame the coaches for that. Yeah, like you watch Munster play. Uh, a lot this season, Con. Have have you seen them improve? Have you seen any? Have you seen any kind of signs there? Looking towards next season, that kind of that hinted that are somewhat encouraging. Or, well, they have uh, come on a bit defensively. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but it's the the lack of attacking edge. You know, I mean, uh, I was talking to a guy coming down the car at me about they looked a bit like the Cork footballers <laughs> going laterally back and forth across the field. Yeah, and. That doesn't bode well. I think mm. you you need to have uh, more cutting edge in your attack. When you when you look towards the next season, I suppose especially with, with with the World Cup coming up, some of the bigger guns, the Conor Murrays and the Peter Mahoney's, they won't be back till 
what you're talking October, November. So yeah. is the hope so that some of the younger guys, and we're looking at Fiend Witchley from a, from a West Cork point of view, and Darren Sweetnam, hopefully, yeah. kind of, you'd be hoping that they'd get a run at the start of the next season? Yes, I think they would. And, and like these guys, these younger guys proved themselves there in the last league game against Treviso now not the quarter final mm-hmm. when they came from behind over in Treviso uh, like that young team showed great spirit great bite mm-hmm. you know that was the type of thing that's the fighting spirit that we're looking for um, and, and, and the young fella showed that which was great I mean that was effectively the second team but you know they really uh, did themselves proud in that game I thought Kind of, is it a worry that the likes of Conor Murray and Peter Manny, two of Ireland's best players the last couple of years and two of Munster's probably top players, that they're kind of reaching their peak and they're, they're playing as well as they can, but the Munster team isn't as good. Like It's not con- contesting at the very, very top level for trophies. It's getting the semi-finals and so on, but it's just not quite good enough to win to win trophies. Is it kind of just for the likes of Murray and Peter yeah. Manny? Well, you'd love to see these guys, because of all they've given to mm-hmm. Munster over the years, uh, win some silverware, you know, and uh, they need to bring it up that level. I mean, there is a question of resources as well, too. And, you know, you have it like in the French teams, you have it in Saracens in England as well, and Leinster have it as well, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leinster have um, an overcapacity in their uh, coming out of their academy, you know. So yeah. um, I, I, I think that's where Munster are lagging a bit behind but I mean I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, sort of rule out all hope of mm-hmm. them ever um, um, getting through once they once they get the cutting edge into their attack which mm-hmm. is which is I think the big priority but um, one thing that struck me um, watching the match last Saturday between Leinster and Munster was there was no real sort of bite flair or excitement uh, in it and I thought that it doesn't bode well for the Irish team that you effectively had the whole Irish team out there and some, or most of them anyway, out mm-hmm. there on the pitch. And um, like Leinster this weekend are going on to uh, face Glasgow Warriors in Glasgow. And Glasgow are effectively the, the Scottish team to, to a great extent. And if Glasgow beat uh, Munster in Glasgow in the final this weekend, I, I think that's psychologically a very bad thing going into uh, the World Cup because... Uh, the first team Ireland are playing in the World Cup in the group stage is Scotland. I know we're going to talk a lot more about the World Cup coming in, coming up to it, but it's already got that feeling that the World Cup is a year too late for this Irish team. If you if you, if you were around 12 months ago, Ireland were um, kind of Six Nations champions and about to head into a fantastic kind of um, autumn international schedule. Yeah. So it just seems that things aren't going as well at the... No, they're not. Um, I suppose the announcement of Joe Schmidt's departure too um, was had a psychological effect. But and after beating the All Blacks in the November Internationals, I mean that's probably as good as it gets, and it's very hard to replicate that coming back. But the one bit of hope I would have is that it happened uh, four years ago as well, where they had peaked. Uh, during the um, Six Nations and uh, there was a huge amount expected from them and then they um, they, they didn't produce it for the World Cup but uh, I think this uh, lull has started a small mm-hmm. bit earlier so there's possibly some time to repair the mm-hmm. damage between now and World Cup time I'm sure like that they'll be anxious to uh, send Josh Schmidt on his way back to New Zealand on a high you know and I think you know the, the the spirit won't be lacking there anyway brilliant fascinating stuff as always con now skibreen's in your brain enjoyed a breakout year in the red of munster and the green of ireland and the ul boas fullback dropped into the studio earlier in the week to reflect on a memorable season we're delighted to be joined this week by ireland senior rugby international in your brain who's enjoyed a tremendous season 
that saw her star for Munster in the Interprose make her Ireland debut in the Women's Six Nations and just recently after her first season in the Women's AIL, Inya won the Women's AIL Rising Star Award that was presented to her by Joe Schmidt at the Aviva Stadium. Welcome Inya. Thanks very much. Um, what a season it's been for you, but before we talk about the season just gone, let's go back to the start and how you first I suppose got started in, in, in rugby you, you come from a fierce sporty family and was that the reason you got involved in sport and rugby in the first place yeah definitely when when I was younger we were kind of put into every kind of sport so I played a bit of football a bit of camogie at one stage basketball road bowling when we moved down here and then my brothers had started playing rugby so I kind of joined along with them and went along for fun and now here we are and what was it about rugby to start that you, that you liked and enjoyed um, I think it was the physicality and just like I wasn't your typical girl so you'd say like I loved getting down in the mud and I loved mm. the contact and just loved it all really because, because you started off first it was Carrigaline that, yeah, that you lived for years was it mm. yeah I played in Carrigaline for I, about four years I think kind of with the minis and mixed mm. with the boys so there was no holding back with the boys anyway. <laughs> and when you moved to Skib, then I think it was only 10, you were, you were 10 when, when you moved to Skib. Was that a big change for you, even just leaving Carrigaline and coming to Skib Arena? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was a big change. Like, Carrigaline's nearly very, a lot closer to the city and there's a lot more, there was a lot more facilities. Like, it was a bit of a shock to the system, really, being <laughs> surrounded by so many farms, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was grand, though. I got mixed in with the a load of different teams down here and mm. I kind of it made the move a bit easier because there was at the time there was no kind of a skipping rugby club they never had a, a, a lady section so, so you went to Bantry was it? yeah I think it was a few years after we moved down here Bantry set up an under 15 and under 18 team so mm. I kind of went along there and there was a lot of girls that were new to the sport and it was just good to get back into it again and who were some of the people involved in Bantry, Bantry Bay Rugby Club that helped you um, So there's Damien Hicks, he's been mm. great to me personally, um, massive for my development, and then Eugene McCarthy as well. Um, there's plenty of other coaches like Patrick O'Connor and more that I can't think of at the moment, but they've all been great for my development and they've all helped me along the way mm. and they were there for those first kind of steps on mm. this path, so... I, I have a lot to thank them for, really. Even like you said there, Eugene and, and Damien Hicks, like they put in huge work locally in rugby. And yeah, stuff, they have. They're they're massive for the club down in Bantry, and I I think they're part of the reason that you can you can see all the talent coming out of West Cork mm. now at the moment, like the Witcherleys, um, myself even. So mm. like, and I'm sure there's plenty more people to come. What do you put that down to at the moment? Like, there's been a huge growth in rugby in West Cork the last couple of years. Like we've talked about it in the podcast an awful lot, even. Go like Munster, Munster level, Darren Sweeten and Finneen Witcherly, Liam Coombs, Gavin Coombs, Ireland under 20s this year, you, Josh Witcherly and John Hodnett, and then yourself and Laura Sheedon with the Ireland kind of senior women's team. And there's more besides that again. Like, it's phenomenal at the moment. Yeah, it's great to see, though. I think there's just massive popularity around rugby in West Cork at the moment. You've Bandon Grammar in the um, Munster Junior and Senior Cup with the schools and like the Coombs's, no, Gavin and Darren Sweetenham came out of there and then mm-hmm. Liam came out of Christians. So like, it's I think there's just massive popularity around it and there's loads of be- there's loads of work being done in the clubs and with volunteers and coaches and I think it's part of the reason to that you're seeing everyone coming out of West Cork's moment. 
What was your pet so from from Bentry through through to Munster and then through to Ireland? What was what was that route? Um, so I was with Bantry under 18s and I kind of I went for trials for the Munster under eighteen team and I think it was twenty fifteen and then I made that and I played Munster under eighteen for three years <coughs> and then uh, last year I got onto the Munster Talent Identification Program mm-hmm. so that was kind of like a stepping stone from under eighteen to senior and then. Um, I got trials for the senior squad from that, and then I transfer. I was transferring to Bowes while that was all going on, and then I made the Monster senior squad, and that happened, and I got two starts, and I got injured in the second game, I think, and um, that was just a bit surreal. I think I was playing against people that I'd looked up to since I was younger, so. Um, and then I kind of I was playing in the AIL with Bowes, and I got a call from Adam I think in October, and that I missed the call initially, so I rang him back and I didn't know who it was. So um, he was he just said that he was very impressed with my performances and that I was called up to camp for the autumn internationals, and then it all happened from there really oh, it's been a superb rise you can use whirlwind meteoric you know you've come yeah. you've risen up through the ranks so so fast but I have to talk about Munster for a second because Clana Kilty's Laura Guest is obviously coach of the, the, the Munster women's team and she's a big fan we've talked to her on the, on the podcast before and this is just a quote she had about you um, before Inya Inya has a bit of everything great balance superb strength plenty of pace good footwork and more than anything else at that level, she has a brain. She has a rubby mind and a great understanding of the game. She will get better and better as time goes on. What's it like to hear that from someone like Laura Guest, who's who's won like the Grand Slam with Ireland, the kind of uh, Six Nations level? Um, it's crazy, really. I think I think she's been very nice to me there. But um, <laughs> no, I've learned loads from Guesty, and mm-hmm. she's definitely a bit of a legend of the game. So to have her, to be learning from her, kind mm-hmm. of week in week out, it's great and. I'm just trying to take every bit of information that I can from her and uh, adapt it into my own game. But you transferred to to UL Bowes then. You've, you've had a fairly good season. This is your first season with them, so is it? Yeah, this is my first season with UL Bowes. So won the cup and then just came up short in the league, is it? Yeah, we won the All-Ireland Cup and then we won the Munster Senior Cup and then we just lost out in the All-Ireland League. And in the All Ireland League, and that railway team was a was a lady from Skibreen that you know quite well, Claire Coombe. So, <laughs> yeah. what, what was that like? It was it's different being on the opposite side of the pitch. There, I think I preferred being in the same jersey. <laughs> um, no, Claire's a great player, mm-hmm. and I played with her for many years. I'd say a good four years now with Bantry and between Munster and their teams. So, I think it's great to see her at that level and. Mm-hmm. I think there's only more to come from her. She's a great player, and I think she's a lot to show for herself. Turning our attention so to the to the Irish setup, like you were saying there, Adam Griggs, kind of Ireland manager, rang you last year, and unfortunately for the autumn internationals, it didn't work out. You got injured, but you were back in the squad for the Six Nations this year, and to make your your debut at only 19 against France in Donnybrook, like what, what was that like? Like when did you find out you were starting, and what was it? How was your feeling coming up to the game? Um, it was it was all a bit surreal. It kind of flew past me a bit. Um, Claff, Michelle Claffy got injured, I think, in the game before. So, like the Six Nations is a long tournament, and you just have to be prepared. Anything could happen. Like you could be called up the day before a game, and um, so once that happened, I was kind of preparing myself a bit mentally that this could be happening. Like and um, so I got a call then 
I'd say the following week because I think that was there was a week off mm-hmm. between the French game and the Italy game and so I got a call then that week and um, Adam was just giving me a heads up and he was just like this Michelle's got injured so just be prepared like just show yourself well I think we had a camp that weekend so he was like show yourself well and show why you deserve to be there so I did that anyway and then I got the news that I was starting and it was just a bit crazy (laughs) Uh, I don't even think I had time to be nervous I just just had to prepare for the job that I had to do and kind of enjoy it at the same time you know it was kind of, a, I suppose, a, a, a bittersweet moment. France won that game, it was a 47-17. But for you to get a taste of what it's like at that top, top level, like, you know, the French are a seriously good team. Yeah, the French are, they're unbelievable, really. Mm. It's, the hits were harder than <laughs> anything I'd hit, got before and everything was just that bit faster. Mm. And it was good to get a taste of it and mm. I just want a bit more now. And you held your, you, you held your, your, your place in for the, the Welsh game. That was the next game, wasn't it? So, like, you have two games under your belt now, Six Nations, which is... Like in terms of your development, like you know, how much have they helped you? Oh, they've been massive. It's just uh, at that top level, you've just less time. You've you've more pressure on you. Everything's that bit faster, that bit harder. So it's like that's helped my development massively. And just bringing even bringing that back into the club level, it's just sped things up. It's made me a better player, really. You mentioned the physicality there against against the French, and it was like a, kind of a a level up from what you're used to or a few levels up you love the physicality of the game don't you yeah I do yeah I do I wouldn't be there if I didn't love the physicality so mm. it's yeah it's great to get stuck in and make big hits because if you're going to make big hits you got to expect to get big hits mm. so yeah I, like physicality is a big part and it's a part that I love what is it about rugby that you enjoy so much so yeah I think I love a bit of everything about mm. it like the sport itself, the crack off the yeah. pitch, the crack on the pitch, and it's just been massive for me personally and my development. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, really, I just love it all. And one of your greatest strengths is your versatility. You can play in a wide variety of positions. Like uh, you played a lot at ten, you played full back. Laura Guest said before she thinks you can play anywhere along the back line. What is your favorite position? Or where, where would you like to to play? Um, I think my favourite position is one of the centres really I think it's a really testing position on the pitch and there's a lot of pressure on you but you have more time on the ball than you would at 10 and you have a bit more space than you would and you just you can see different things and wherever you are in the back line you can see different things and there's different opportunities for you but I think I think centre is the position that I like the most you obviously mentioned Claire, Claire Coombs there a short while ago and obviously Laura, Laura Sheen from Oran is on the UN Bowes team at UN and the Munster team. Isn't it great to see West Cork, West Cork women kind of playing at, at, at a high level, isn't it? It's great. Like, and do you think there's, there's more to come? Even Skibbereen, in the last couple of weeks, I think a couple of the girls there have been involved at interprovincial level and stuff. So there's, it's definitely on the rise, you know, kind of women's rugby here in West Cork. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think there's plenty of new clubs starting. I think Skib have... Skib have been set up two years now mm-hmm. so I think there's definitely going to be a lot of talent coming from there it'll probably start coming through under 18 first I think there's been a few girls alright as you mentioned mm-hmm. in the under 18 into pros and then they'll start seeping into the senior setup. and I think in the future there's definitely you'll definitely see a lot more girls from West Cork on the, making their mark on the provincial and international stage do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? You're so young and you've achieved so much in a short <laughs> space of time. And even like Joe Schmidt presented you your AIL kind of rising star award there just recently. Kind of, do you ever sit back and say, "Jesus, I've it's it's been a whirlwind rise"? 
Yeah, I think these last few weeks now at the end of the season, I've, everything's just sunk in a bit. So I'm still I'm still not really used to it all. But um, yeah, I I never expected at the start of the season that I'd be here with two caps and uh, great senior mm. pros under under my belt. But it all just happened, and I just had to take it as it came. There's a hard work kind of start now, and you've kind of made a name for yourself, and there's people talking about you. But is is a challenge now? You have to stay there, and you have to improve. Yeah, obviously I ticked a lot of things off the bucket list, like playing for Ireland has I've dreamed for, of it since I was young and but now that I've got it now that that's happened once or twice, I just want to do it more and like there's obviously gonna be that pressure to keep going and keep bettering yourself. But I think I always want to do that anyway for my own personal development, so it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks I'm gonna to have to do the work anyway if I want to get better. Internationally, so what's next up? Um, I'm n- not sure at the moment. I'd say there'll be yeah there'll be autumn internationals now in November, and mm. we'll look towards those after when we start pre-season and stuff. So it'll it'll be a busy season again, hopefully. Mm. But I don't know. So like the, the seasons come to a kind of a close. I want a bit of downtime. But you played with the O'Donovan Russell ladies last year, and you won the county junior C football final, beating <laughs> Castlehaven in in a replay. There was. Big celebrations that time. How much how, how enjoyable was that to play? They play football at school. Yeah, it's great. I do love playing football now, and um, it was a nice it was a nice break from the rugby last mm-hmm. summer. So it was it good to keep up the fitness as well, and obviously to win a junior county medal was a bit of an added bonus. And it's good to beat Castlehaven yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get that in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but football is great, and yeah. I enjoy like the girls are great on the team, and yeah. Will you be back playing with a bit of guy this summer? What's the plan? Um, we'll see. I'm not too sure at the moment. So, yeah. um, college has finished too. Your physiotherapy student up in UL. What's that like? How's that going for you? Yeah, college is going well. I'm just finished second year now, and I'm starting my first placement next week in Cork. So, um, it's going really good, and um, I can't like everyone's been very helpful to me. All the lecturers have been very understanding of the situation and. They've let me catch up on classes that I've missed and stuff. So, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge trying to balance it all, but I'm managing it so far anyway. Does it help you kind of studying the course that's almost linked linked to sport? Well, it is linked to sport physiotherapy. Does that help you kind of kind of both ways? It'll help you rugby and it'll help you in, in class or. Yeah, it does a small bit. In fairness, there is a small bit of a link, all right. And I can chat to the physios on the mm-hmm. team that I'm with as well, and they kind of give me some advice and some different kind of exercises and things that I can be doing and I'm always kind of learning really and you pass on your advice to them as well is it yeah <laughs> no brilliant India come here thank you so much for coming in to join us here on, on the Star Sport podcast no doubt we'll be hearing a lot more about you in the coming weeks months and years so congratulations on a superb season thanks very much thanks for having me thank you for listening to the Star Sports podcast don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Back to the Star Sport podcast and Kieran, as per usual, I have a feeling that it's going to be a pretty good sports section this week based on what you told me off air. Jack, again, super sports section this week. 24 pages of the best of local West Cork sport. Um, obviously, the Cork Hurlers had a super win against, against Limerick at the Gaelic Grounds. 
last Sunday in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. So we have two pages on that. Um, also, the Cork Ladies are starting their Munster Senior Football Championship campaign against Waterford this Sunday evening CIT. So we have a preview there. The Cork Camogie team are in the, the Munster final against Tipperary this weekend. We talked to Orla Cronin from Inneskeen about that. Schoolboy soccer has been topical the last couple of weeks and um, as we all know the West Cork Schoolboys League moved to the summer calendar season which is currently ongoing but um, directed from the FAI that came out late last week is saying that um, that leagues can switch back to the to the old format the winter format so it looks like the FAI are ditching summer soccer which is a it's a kick in the balls I'm going to say for pardon the pun for the, for the West Cork um, Schoolboys League because they're one of the few kind of schoolboys leagues in the country that have already made the move. It's only a couple of weeks in, yet now they get this directive from the FAI. Okay, lads, you've made the change, but let's go back to let's go back to the old way. Just- and the West Cork Schoolboys League, from my understanding, is they decided to make the change mm-hmm. on the back of Dublin, Donegal, and one other Clare yeah. making the move. So it was they were the the, the trial leagues, yeah. shall we say? And the FAI said, "Oh, this has been quite a success in Dublin, Donegal, and Clare." So West Cork, feel free to, to join in the summer the summer revolution. This is the future of football in Ireland. Well, it was the future. And <laughs> six weeks in, the future is the past. And the Dublin District Schoolboys League, which is of course probably the biggest, and yeah. they have a bit of pull there, I'd say. Yeah, they yeah. just decided, look, this isn't working for us. There is too much competition with holidays, rugby, GAA. I'm assuming is the reasons for it. Is, it. it just. It just and just like it's that, form. it is. It's but like, it's 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 hardly surprising that the FAI would. That, um, pull a stroke like this that, that it's not like it's the most well run functioning organisation in Irish sports administration that's a, that's a very nice way of putting it without getting us in trouble Jack so um, so as much as I feel for the West Cork League and it is mm-hmm. a terrible position to be in now it's hard to it's hard to say I'm surprised no it's, it's not surprising so we have a bit of reaction we have local reaction from that move Um as well as that, the European Rowing Championships are on next week and there's five Skibbereen rowers um, in the Irish team of 10. You'll all remember Jake and Fintan McCarthy, the twins who were in with us last week in the podcast. They've been picked in the men's lightweight double. Gary O'Donovan is going in the lightweight single and there's an, an, a lightweight women's double of Denise Walsh and Lydia Heafy. And we actually speak to Lydia in an interview in, in this week's Southern Star. She's new, it's her first and a senior international regatta, so we've a, we've a lovely chat with uh, with Lydia. John Hoddett from Ross Carberry has been picked on the Ireland under twenty team that's going to the under twenty World Cup in Argentina. Josh Richley from um, from Kilkill is going as well. But we've an interview with John Hoddett and that. So as you can see, Jack, there is something for everyone here. We've rugby, soccer, football, ladies football, camogie, hurling, bowling, you name it. We have it this week. Analytics and a lot, lot more in between. So Thursday, get out and buy the star. And if you can't get to a shop to buy a physical copy of the Southern Star, you can always just go online to the Southern Star website, search for www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper, and you can read the Southern Star for less than two euros a week, which, in my opinion, is absolutely cracking value for what you get but it's, it's less than a chicken fillet roll we're not getting into another uh, food <laughs> conversation despite it causing quite a stir last week but what we will start is a new segment this week and it's maybe it won't carry on to next week we'll see how it goes I think it will but um, Kieran 
my co-host and uh, the sports editor of the Southern Star, just sitting to my left here, mm. or to my right, if you're looking at us through a mirror, which would be unusual. But we are kind of have a mirror effect on the screen we're looking at, so it's kind of confusing. But he's very agitated today. Anything anyone says is causing him to get a bit riled up. There's been steam coming out of his ears since nine o'clock this morning. No one really knows why. But I want to give him the floor now with Kieran McCarthy's rant of the week. And it's not the Game of Thrones finale, which I did watch last night, and it is what it is. Just um, go back before we move on to your rant of the week. Just your two cents on the Game of Thrones finale. I actually liked it. I was watching it last night and it just took me a second to kind of soak it in. I was like, all right. It felt a bit surreal. I think people were waiting for this big twist in the final episode. And I don't want to give away any spoilers. And there was there was a twist or two. But when you kind of sit back for a second, it's actually quite a good ending. I think what happened to the Game of Thrones is people's expectations were... People wanted the ending that they wanted. And then when they didn't get what they wanted, they threw their, their toys out of the pram. And this, this, this petition that reached threw their, threw their toys out of the bran. Would that, be, uh, would that be a, a good reference? I like it, I like I it. I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming, judging by Twitter, it's something to do with him. Um, could be, or maybe not. Maybe not. No spoilers here. But um, but uh, I see that that petition, over a million people signed a petition for HBO to, to remake um, season eight, which is the biggest load of nonsense. Like, you know, kind of... This is turning into a bit of a rant. It is, because just because people didn't get the ending that they wanted, it doesn't work out like that. What if, if Liverpool beat Man City back in the league, going back in January, and they won the league? What if, what if, what if? Life isn't what if, you know, kind of. Mm. The series is what the series is. It's a cracking series. Really good um, eighth season. Really enjoyed it. It's over now, so it's back to normal life without dragons and the Dothraki. So, But now my so, rant. So, so this is your real rant. This is my, my, my real rant. And I think all sports journalists across the, the, the country will agree with me here. Obviously, local elections are coming up this weekend. Huge news right across the country. And in all uh, local newspapers and radio stations, all the news departments will be out in force on Friday and Saturday, I presume, the counts and stuff. But it's the one day of the year, and I include my colleagues in the Southern Star here, that they, I suppose they put in a really hard shift. Well, to be fair, they work hard all year round. But on a, this Saturday, when the elections come around, they'll all put in a hard shift on a Saturday, a long day. And we won't hear the end of it for another year. <laughs> the way I look at it, Jack, right, as, as sports journalists, and especially there, there could be a game on, on a Wednesday, you could have a deadline at half ten. Like that, That's pressure, like, and you're working the deadlines all the time. Sports journalists work every weekend, 52 weekends a year, yet news, these news sections would work one weekend every election, <laughs> once every 52 weeks, yet we hear about that for, for the next year. So I'm, I'm just saying, that's my rant, that people underappreciate the work that sports journalists put in. Oh, kind of, I'm playing the smallest violin but, in the world. Well, I don't mind it, because we're, we're used to it. I just know how it's going to go. Like I'm just sick of hearing about... Oh, I, are you feeling underappreciated in your workplace? No, I, I, I think people who cover elections are overappreciated. Okay. I, yeah, that's... Uh, so, it's a good way to look. You have to look at things from both yeah. sides. Because us, us, like... People know sports journalists and sports editors and sport reporters. We're modest. We're humble. We're kind of... We're just very unassuming characters who just get out with our work. And I would dispute that statement now. If, if anything, sports reporters and editors are the least modest people... That, that's again that's a topic for, for another podcast I think but all I want to say is just best to look to the Southern Star News Department for for working th- this Saturday um, your, your soldiers each and every one of you I'll, I'll say a prayer I'll light a candle 
that you'll survive the Saturday, the long, the long day, that you'll that you'll be fed and watered and that you'll get sleep on Sunday when you come back to the office on Monday that you'll, you'll be raring to go. But don't spare thought for the sports journalists who cover football games, rugby games, soccer games and 52 weekends of the year and it all goes unnoticed. So that's that's my rank check and maybe this could become a weekly segment <laughs> because um, you have a lot to get off your chest. I have chest. a lot to get off my chest, yeah. But um, no, again, everyone, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. So if you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section. That is everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork.